Ever wonder the true power of sports? Well, you come to the right place. Welcome to the Sports for Social Impact podcast. I'm David Thibodeau, and I believe that by exploring the intersection between sport and society, we can better leverage the sport industry for maximum impact. We explore what sports true power is to understand the impacts on and the impacts of sports on society. Join me as we learn how sports can influence important policy areas such as the environment, transportation, education, and so much more. Today, my guest is Fakhri Ahansen, who is a sports social worker at School of Hard Knocks. So he is particularly uh, passionate about youth empowerment through sport and believes the fruits of a well-functioning society are fostered in the efforts of nurturing young people by creating an environment conducive for young, for youth, uh, for young people to make a positive contribution to the world at large. School of Hard Knocks is an award-winning Cape Town-based not-for-profit with a proven track record in using sport and one of, and one-on-one counseling to help young people cope with trauma, change outdated perceptions of gender, and improve their physical and emotional well-being. So this, I think this is a really great program and I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, it's really fascinating to learn about this program and how they're using sports to um, empower young people in South Africa and, and use sport to enrich their lives and you know hopefully give them a better future. So v- very interesting um, to have a listen and I hope um, that you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So the news for this episode is about the IOC's annual report that just came out about 2022. So I thought it was really interesting because, well, one, it's super, super long and it's 204 pages and it covers all aspects of the IOC. It talks about the, the Olympic movement. It talks about uh, the hosts. So it gives a little bit of a debrief on 2020 or you know, uh, Tokyo 2020, Beijing 2022, and looks to the future for Paris 2024. Milan 2026 and LA 2028. So it gives a debrief about all those all those uh, initiatives and what they're doing for sustainability and legacy and and um, you know trying to get people active and and what they're doing for you know the environment and everything like that. But so it talks about sustainable development and how the IOC is using sport for that. It talks about how the IOC is trying to talk about human rights and uh, gender equity, diversity, inclusion. In 2022, this was the first time that an equal amount of men and women sat on IOC committees. And it also talks about the IOC's carbon reduction plan, which I thought was interesting because, um, so, you know, it states their their goals. So their their ambition is to reduce their carbon emissions by 30% by 2024 and 50% by 2030. They're also implementing a travel CO2 budget for each department and for uh, for major IOC events. So that, I thought that was really interesting. Um, it talks about the Olympic House in the IOC's headquarters in Lausanne. So 50 to 75% of reduction in use of municipal water for employees, 50% of reduction um, in food waste per meal, 100% powered from renewable energy. Um, so super interesting stuff. And, and, and it talks about some of the some of the uh, the legacy facilities from Tokyo, and how they're you know reopening and how their communities are being used has been using them now. Um, also, give some interesting numbers on uh, Beijing twenty twenty two coverage. 
So there's 2.01 billion viewers globally, which was up 4.7% from the 2018 Pyeongchang Games. There was 713 billion minutes consumed uh, in in coverage. This is a 17.6% increase from 2018. There's uh, 5.9 hours watched per viewers. Uh, This is a 12% increase. And there's 20 billion digital videos viewed across all platforms for the IOC. So I think this was, you know, very interesting numbers, um, you know, showing how many people are still interested and want to watch the Olympic Games and how I think as more people are connected to the internet, more and more people are tuning in. So, yeah, I think it was, you know, very interesting um, some very interesting numbers and uh, stats and stuff that they're working on at the IOC in terms of sport and and using sports to talk about some of these different things. And I, I yeah, really interesting stuff, um, super long, but definitely worth at least a skim. <laughs> maybe not a maybe not a read. Two hundred four pages is a lot, but yeah. So that so that, that is it for the news for this episode, um, and. We'll get back to the episode. So hi, everybody. Welcome today to my guest uh, who is joining from uh, South Africa. And I'm going to uh, completely butcher his name, but it's Zachary uh, <laughs> Hrand-Alens. Um, I tried my best. Um, and he, uh, I'll give you a second to introduce yourself and you can uh, tell us how to actually pronounce it. Um, I'll pass it over to you. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, hi, good day, everyone. Um, so I'm Fakhri Orense <laughs> uh, from Cape Town, South Africa. I am the social development manager and social worker for School of Hard Knocks, South Africa. Many of you would have heard of School of Hard Knocks already from the UK and Australia. Um, so yeah, I um, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Um, Oh, you know, this is always a very difficult question when people ask you to tell yourself about who you are. I always seem to be able to explain my work better. Um, yeah, I've I've uh, always been a very um, sports, uh, kind of passionate about sports um, and passionate about people as well. So from a very young age, I kind of figured, you know, I, I would like to almost marry the two. Um, and so I became a social worker and then uh, I started working for School of Hard Knocks. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a great three years so far. Awesome. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean by, you know, when you're asked to introduce yourself, it's much easier, sometimes much easier to talk about what you do rather than who you exactly. are. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely relatable to, <laughs> to a lot of people. Um, so tell us more about School of Hard Knocks. What exactly is it? What do you do? Um, and yeah, tell, tell us all about it. Cool, cool. Um, so School of Art, Knox South Africa in particular, um, was started in uh, 2017 uh, by Scott Sloan. Um, and we are a sports for development organization with a very strong focus on mental health. Uh, so any, org- any programs and uh, sessions that we do, there's always a mental health component to it. Um, as of this year, so we've always had, had School of Art Knox for Schools, which is the program we do in schools. Um, and as of this year, we kicked off uh, Next Gen Men, which is a, a program for, for men and the Next Gen Women as well. Um, and yeah, we, we, our approach is very holistic, I'd say. 
we we try to especially with the schools program uh, we don't only work with our kids the participants we work with uh, the schools and very closely with their families as well and the reason we do that is because we believe that the best way to make a real impact is if we come and kind of impact and influence all the systems that that impact our children our in our participants um and it's been going amazing so far um so the sport that we use is touch rugby which is very different to to which what most organizations do um and uh in addition to that we do what we call pitch side therapy uh so the coaches that who actually facilitate the question the, the the session sorry um they provide pitch side therapy to our participants um and that is having mental health discussions um you know focusing on anything that our children are challenged with um, and it's been going, it's been going very, very well so far. Um, the next gen men program, in particular, also took off very, very fast. I think we were surprised ourselves. Um, and the next gen men program was created in response to the ever-growing problem of of gender-based violence, especially you know in South Africa. The the numbers are are worrying. Almost uh, uh, an epidemic of of gender-based violence in South Africa. Um, and yeah, we've we've been um, working very closely with other organizations as well to, you know, really get this uh, program, you know, um, running as, as best we can. And the buy-in has been amazing. Um, and then the, the Next Gen Women program as well has been so, so good. Um, you know, in South Africa in particular, we have lots of problems with uh, things like absent fathers, uh, teenage pregnancy, alcohol, substance abuse, and all of these things. Um, and we find that uh, that women are suffering um, from, from mental health problems, uh, especially in the schools, much greater than, than that of the boys. Um, so that was our, our response for, for those issues, yes. Okay, so, and so what was the sport again, you said? Uh, touch rugby. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yes. I was, uh, I, um, I, mi- I missed it at first, and I was like, I'm not sure what he said. But okay, yeah, awesome, very interesting. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna dive more into um, like the the programs that you mentioned uh a bit more. But first, so you you know you did talk about um you know how it's structured around the mental health, uh, the mental health issues in in you know South Africa, and so I'm I'm taking this right from your. Right from your website, but so you said, you know, on your website, you you've outlined that in South Africa, due to heavy burden of social detriments for poor mental health, your know, conflict, exposure to violence and trauma, fifty five percent of youth are seen as medium high risk for the mental health problems. So how how do you find that sport addresses this, and can you speak more about the um, yeah? So how how does sport address this? Yeah, so from the sporting component is actually very, very important. You know, I, I mentioned the, the strong focus on mental health, but they very much go hand in hand. Um, and what the sports does is it gives our young people an opportunity to almost focus the energy on something that is more appropriate and more positive. So so during our sessions, we have a very strong focus on uh, on coping mechanisms and coping strategies. But what we also do is we teach them appropriate coping mechanisms and appropriate uh, strategies and you know with sport i mean there's so many things that that you can learn from it um, i mean if we look at any sporting competitions we look at the world cup we look at whatever it may be um it unites people you know it, uh, it creates a a very positive and very happy atmosphere and that is what we want for our participants so we give them that you know, at least and at least an hour a week to 
almost forget about the issues at home, forget about the problems in the communities, you know, forget about the challenges with their families. Um, and we just, you know, we see lots of smiles and, and happiness. Um, and there's a strong growth component as well, you know, um, perhaps some of our, of our kids, um, they perhaps couldn't uh, pass a ball, you know, at the, at the beginning of the year, two months down the line, they are playing, they are passing the ball, you know, they know the rules and all of these things. Um, so, so that growth component is also very important. You know, we, we try to have our kids, um, you know, get that opportunity to achieve small little goals, mm -hmm. you know, and if, and hopefully with the hope that, you know, getting that, that taste of, of almost victory and overcoming an obstacle that they will have that same mindset, you know, going into other challenges in life. Right. Okay. No, yeah, definitely agree. And I think it, I really like that, that you've incorporated that because it is, you know, such a, you, uh, you know, uh, as you've pointed out, it's such a prevalent issue in South Africa that it's really important to be addressing that and, and that, you know, you're really geared, you know, uh, we're talking about the specific programs and stuff that you have, um, uh, you know, um, in just a couple of, in a couple of moments, but um, yeah, I think it's really important that it's like geared around that and that it's really thought about from the get-go and, and that it's really structured in that way that really addresses it whole, you know, holistically and it's kind of thought yeah. kind of thought through the whole process. Um, that's, that's really awesome. So so now we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into the specific program. So you've mentioned the three. So let's let's start with the School of Hard Knocks, the one that's in um in schools. So it's a year-long mm -hmm. program embedded in no or low fee right. schools is aimed at providing underserved high school learners uh, counseling, uh, adult support, and behavioral interventions, um, all of which help improve their mental well beings. So, tell us more about this program and what it might look like on a regular day at school for a participant. Okay, um, is this not during our sessions? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, our coaches always arrive early. I'd have to say that uh, something that you post about. Um, uh, and what they do is, um, I mean, p the weeks before, you know, we do our our planning and our strategizing and how we would approach um, each and every single session, uh, because every session has a different goal, has a different theme and different outcome. Um, so what our coaches do is they gather um, before the session begins um, and they do a bit of a brief. So we have two team leads, um, which consists of the two teams. Um, and they will brief the team, uh, you know, clear up anything that is perhaps, uh, you know, needs to be cleared up. Um, and then the kids come, you know, that is really where the, the fun starts. Um, and as the kids are coming into the session, you know, that is already where we start our check-ins, you know. Um, so over time, uh, we develop these relationships with these kids. Uh, you know, the first term, it may not be um, as easy. We don't know all of the names uh, and they don't know us as well. Um, as well. Um, but once we start getting the ground running second, third term and such, uh, then we really get to know them. So as they come into the session, we welcome them. We have small little chats um, and then we gather in our circles. We brief them about uh, what the session will be, what the goals are, what the outcomes are, have a bit of a check-in. So our check-ins with our participants are, are very specific. Uh, we will never just ask, you know, how are you doing? You know, you'll, you'll get the generic answer. I'm fine. I'm doing good. Um, what we do is we will always ask um, our participants, how are they doing physically? How are they doing mentally? And how they are doing emotionally? Um, and what you find is that from that, which is a very, very personal kind of question, um, our participants really share, you know, um, where they are at, you know, uh, at, at that current time. Um, thereafter, we get into our, our um, 
uh, our physical part of the game. Um, and sometimes it won't always be touch rugby, but it will always be with a, with a touch rugby ball. Um, we do our physical, which is usually about 20 minutes of the session. Um, and then we do a debrief. Um, now, very important that I must mention that whenever we have these um, uh, discussions, it's always, it's always a group. It's always with the group. Um, and our coaches will facilitate the discussions, but we try to have our participants uh, share uh, their experiences um, as much as they can. Um, and, you know, sometimes we will go a little bit off uh, the topic of the session, but it's absolutely fine, you know, um, as, because we always uh, try to gear it in such a way where we are meeting their needs. And perhaps it may be that their needs at that very time of that session is a little bit different. You know, so we sometimes go a little bit uh, off script. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. No. I, I, I. When you were talking there, I just thought about back to, you know, when when I coached swimming myself. Um, and you know when. Oh, you amazing. Know, I try, yeah. So I, I, you know, I when when the swimmers and athletes arrive, I, you know, typically talk. You know, how's your day? How are you? And yeah, yes, fine. I'm good. <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. tell yeah. me more. Tell me more. <laughs> how, how are you really exactly? Doing? But, yes, I totally exactly. understand. Uh, totally understand. You know. Like sometimes it's like pulling teeth that you're trying to get, uh, you know, yes, yes. Um, you know, it, not information, but you know, answers from from your kids. You want, you know, you know, you want to know more about them, and obviously, you're trying to you know build stronger relationship with them to to solve absolutely, um, you know, specific challenges and issues in 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 their lives. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the themes that you could address? You know, you mentioned that uh, that each day has a different theme. So, are, yes, do you have yes. any examples? <laughs> Um, so our our curriculum, um, which is actually an award-winning curriculum, um, we received actually a few awards for our curriculum um, already, um, which has been amazing. So I, I wouldn't want to say it's something that's fixed, it's something that we're always constantly reviewing and always seeing where we can improve on it. Um, so we focus on four themes, which is self-awareness, uh, self-regulation, social awareness, and, um, and optimistic thinking. And those are the themes. And within those themes, we then have sessions that are all, all geared towards those themes. Um, and uh, yeah, we feel that these four components are extremely important um, tools that our young people need, you know, to, to actually make a, a success out of their lives. Um, we look at something like, like self-awareness. Uh, we focus a lot on, on uh, you know, your fight, uh, flight, freeze responses, you know, how do our participants actually respond uh, mm -hmm. to emotional overwhelm and really stressful uh, situations. Um, Self-regulation, um, also extremely important. Um, we try to provide them, you know, with, with coping strategies um, because we find that uh, when we experience overwhelm, it affects and influences our decision-making. Um, and we know that with the youth that we work with, um, which are from under-resourced uh, communities, you know, with lots of social is issues, you know, gangsterism and GBV and all of those things, um, we give them those tools. So before they make any decision in life, uh, to always think about it and how it will impact them and never to all, never to act on their emotion, basically. Because, you know, young people are very impulsive. You know, it's a act, think afterwards. And we kind of try to reverse that process where we always have them thinking about um, their actions before. And, um, I mean, just to add to that, you know, we get lots of feedback from the schools because we work so closely with the schools. Um, and the schools have given us very good feedback, feedback with regards to that. So, you know, some of the 
the kids who are perhaps uh, have a bit of a track record of being difficult in the class, um, you know, after going through our programs, you, you see and you notice the, the differences. Um, and then social awareness is also a very, very big one. Um, you know, we do things like like stereotypes, uh, you know, for to get our participants to understand uh, that the world is not just the world that they know, but everybody is living in, in the world and experiencing the world very, very differently. Um, you know, with different eth uh, ethnicities, religions, backgrounds, you know, and all of those things. Um, and then we try to end off with, with optimistic thinking, because what we find is that the youth that we work with, um, they almost don't dream anymore. You know, when we were younger and they asked us, you know, what do you want to be when, you, when, you, when you're older? You know, we may say something wild, like becoming an astronaut or this <laughs> or that or that. Um, but our youth, their challenges are so extreme that they haven't even focused on what they're going to be doing the, the, the following week, you know, let alone when they are, are older. Um, so we do um, sessions um, that's geared towards optimistic thinking. And that is about, you know, providing our participants with hope, you know, having them see the glass half full um, and having a, a positive outlook, you know, on life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, um, I really, I would say that's really awesome um, um, curriculum. Like the, like the, just like the, the, those themes I think are really important and they, they, they really tell us what you're focusing on and what you're trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, the work that you're doing, I think it really does. I think it really, I think it, it really does highlight exactly what you're trying to, trying to do and what you're trying to, to, to help yeah. these kids with. Um, so I think that's really, really awesome. So, um, let's move on to the, the next program now. So then, um, I think this is a more recent program that you've, that you've launched. So the next gen men, um, it's an eight week intervention aimed at reducing violence perpetrated by men and in particular to reduce violence against women. So the program works with men and boys to address and dislodge embedded notions of masculinity and gender. So from my understanding, this was piloted for the first time last year. So in 2022. Yes. Very late uh, last year. Yes. Okay. And, and so what were the results from, from this, uh, from this pilot the, project? The, resu the results were actually so good. Um, I think uh, with the very first program that we did, I think there were the the percentage of the men in the program that um, basically disagreed with violence against women was I think north of ninety percent, um, and that has been quite consistent, you know, through throughout um, throughout this program that we've run. Uh, and we don't only run it with men; we sometimes we run it with young boys as well. Um, and this program is uh, this has been so good, honestly. Um, and I think the, the overarching goal of, of the Next Gen Men program is to have men understand that perhaps um, historical ways of, of viewing masculinity and how these impact women is something that we really need to revisit and really look at, um, you know, especially, <clears throat> sorry, especially when it comes to, um, to, to violence, you know, and hyper-masculinity, um, because we know that our women are suffering uh, at the hands of men more than perhaps men are, are suffering at the hands of of women. Um, so one of the sessions, for example, the man box is, is something that we open with. Um, and this is where we, we discuss um, these uh, roles um, that, you know, society kind of uh, assumes men have to be like. Uh, and we discuss this, you know, and we perhaps look at ways or the, rather the consequences of what would happen if we continue to perhaps look at masculinity in this way. Uh, we just recently did um, uh, the Next Gen Men program in, in one of the, the communities last week. 
uh, with teenage boys. Um, and it was so interesting, uh, you know, their perspectives and, and their views on this and how they actually agreed that um, that these traditional masculine threats um, is actually detrimental to themselves as well, not only um, women. And this this program has been good. I have, I have confidence uh, in all of our programs. Um, this one seems to really, really be taking off. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you, do you find men open to, to it? Like sometimes I find, you know, you know, they're not, you know, men in general, just because of your masculine traits and stuff, right. They're not necessarily open to, you know, talking about their feelings, talking about, you know, their, you know, these, these kind of masculine idea, you know, ideals and stuff. So do you, you find men open to talking about those things and, 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 you know, challenging their, their way of thinking? You know, from from my perspective eh, and what I've seen so far, um, and perhaps my understanding um, of this idea, you know, that perhaps men aren't uh, aren't open uh, to having these discussions, I tend to think that it's, it, it may be that men don't get the opportunity or aren't uh, provided with the spaces to actually be speaking about these things because what we find is that when we do run the program, um, it surprises us every single time. Uh, so it may actually be that it's a lack of providing those spaces for men to have these discussions uh, rather than men being completely, you know, averse to to speaking mm. about these things. Interesting. Interesting. So so do you think sport plays a role in that? Do you think sport helps break down some of those barriers and stuff for men? Um, like, I, 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 I wonder if, because it's a sports setting, if it makes it easier for men to talk, to to do that be it specifically sport i don't know but with with next gen men there's actually not a very strong uh, sporting component okay. to it um it's, it's very much a, a discussion kind of uh environment you know um we're not necessarily outside we do play a few games uh, and that um but yeah it, it looks almost like a bit of like a focus group you know oh. in, in the way the, <laughs> the the setting is um but yeah i, I definitely think that that if more of these spaces were provided, then we'll really see a massive difference. Uh, I mean, I always thought, you know, that it's um, as men perhaps not leaning towards speaking about these things, but I find that it may just be that the spaces aren't being provided for men to discuss hmm. these. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. I hadn't really thought about that before, but um, yeah, interesting, interesting thoughts and interesting results from um, from that project. Okay. <clears throat> So going on to your your third uh, the third the third uh, initiative that you have, um. So I was basing it off of I think it was the twenty twenty two um year end report from from School of Hard Knocks. So I think you might have changed the name because I think you mentioned Next Gen Woman, but in the in yes, the report yes. it was called Empower. Yes, yes, yes. It's okay. Next Gen Women now. Yes. Okay. So Next Gen Women. So um. So tell us about that. So it, you know you you said it's an intervention that will provide mental health support to women and girls. Um. So when I was reading about it, it was still in the developmental phase. So I don't know if you've been able to pilot it, pilot it already this year. Um, but yeah, so tell us about this this uh, this initiative. Yeah, um, no, we have piloted it um, already and it's been going well. Uh, it's been definitely been going well. Um, we've done it with lots of, of young teenage girls. Um, and again, you know, creating that, providing that space, uh, you know, for, for these young girls to you know, uh, speak about how they are, how they are feeling, and how they are they are experiencing. You know, the the world and and their challenges. Um, 
Um, and also, you know, there's a very strong focus also on providing coping strategies, you know, mm. um, because we do know that that women suffer from lots of psychosocial issues, you know, as a result of, uh, you know, the society that we are living in. Um, uh, yeah, no, no, this program has definitely been going really, okay. really well. Awesome. So moving on, um, so some of your impacts that you've um, noted in your annual report is that you say that you say that 81% of people are better able to cope when things go wrong. There's been a 73% reduction in school dropout rates against the average and 11% improvement in well-being of highly traumatized youth. These are some of the results that you've noted. Obviously, there are a lot more. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on why you think sport is so impactful. Um, you know, Nelson Mandela, you know, he, he, he said it very well. He said, you know, sport has the power to change the world. Um, and I think from from every level, you know, whether it's, it's in elite sports and whether it's just amateur sports, or it's just, you know, a couple of friends playing around in a park. Um, and I definitely think that, you know, sport, it, it gives you an, an opportunity to almost uh, get away from, from, uh, from your usual routine, you know, or from usual spaces that you are in. Um, you know, I, I've never seen somebody running around with a ball or, you know, whatever sport it may be um, and feeling sad. You know, and I think that sometimes when you just get a, a taste of what sport can do for us um, and how it can make us feel, you know, uh, we know that uh, exercise and sport um, is the best uh, um, is the best way to reduce stress. Um, you know, and I think that is why it's so impactful. And what we find with our with our young people in particular, um, especially the, the within the schools that we work in, um, the sporting side of the school is not that great. Uh, you know, none of the schools that we work in have um, very nice fields. You know, you won't find a rugby field and a soccer field. You may find netball and basketball, um, but no cricket fields, no things like that. So actually, all of the programs that we run in, in the schools that we run, uh, none of these schools have fields. Um, so these kids don't uh, necessarily uh, enjoy sport as other kids do as well. Mm -hmm. We know that in their communities, um, you know, they have community fields and community facilities. Um, but the problem is the safety. You know, uh, you may find that there are some elements that are hanging around the sports fields. And that's why the kids choose to not go to the sports fields. Um, and we give them that opportunity to, you know, to really enjoy sport and to grow within the sport as well. Um, and we know that that confidence um, can really be gained from sport and we hope that that confidence can be translated into other areas of their lives as well and so far we have found because sport challenges you you know mm -hmm. nobody's um perfect at this sport you know especially at the at the amateur level or even below the amateur level um and once you overcome a a certain barrier or challenge um within the sport uh, it builds confidence and, and that is ultimately what we are trying to do okay Interesting. Yeah, I no, I totally agree. I, I think sport is, yes, yeah, you know, sport has the power to change the world, as you say. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I'm I'm curious to know. You know, obviously, you know, we talked about how, you know, all the benefits of the sport and how it's going so well. But I, you know, there's always challenges. So I'm curious to know what what challenges you're facing. Uh, you know, running some of your programming. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Funding will always be a problem for any uh, non-government organization. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd, I'd even have to um, say that. Um, you know, because our approach is so holistic and we try to get in as much buy-in from the school and parents, um, 
the schools have been very supportive. Uh, you know, I really have to commend them for for their support. You know, we are the hosts um, at their schools, and and without the you know their support, we we can't do what we do. Um, the challenge, however, is uh, with with parents and caregivers. Um, and you know, to to give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, especially with the uh, with the communities we work with, um, they work very long hours, you know, and they are extremely busy, um, and then perhaps don't always have time um, for the children as other families do. Uh, but I think definitely, if we had greater buy-in from caregivers, um, then the impact of the program would be enhanced, you know, so much. So I do run a a caregiver program as well, um, virtually. Because we can't seem to get the uh, caregivers to come to the schools, um, you know, you know, they very very busy schedules and and you know, taking time off work is a bit challenging for them. So I do run a caregiver program, and in the caregiver program, um, you know, we try to keep our caregivers, um, in tune as much as we can with what our kids are learning, um, in our programs, um, and yeah, it's a it's a work in progress, um, but with with all of our programs, you know, we we constantly trying to to better it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's, I was like asking this question just because I think it's important for, you know, for other, uh, you know, sport organizations, sport for development organizations to hear some of the challenges because, you know, there may be similarities and some of the ways that you're tackling those challenges, they, they, they'll be able to use as well. So I think it's important to talk about, to talk about the challenges that we're, that, you know, that, that we're facing and, um, and see how we can, you know, share best practices and, and ideas. And I think that's, yeah, I think, you know, the care, the caregivers, I think sometimes, um, especially with sport, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast quite a bit that a lot of people don't necessarily know what sport for development is. So they're a little mm. bit, um, hesitant yeah. about it and stuff. So I think, yes, that's, yes. yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's interesting that, you know, you, you have those sessions and the, the, that program with the caregivers and, and parents, um, to, to, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think another reason, um, why we, we try to gear our sessions, uh, to be as different to the classroom setting as possible. <laughs> You know, we know that that kids are not necessarily, you know, uh, up to sitting in in uh, in a session where they feel like, um, you know, there's there's a teacher and it's it's, it's them listening. Um, so we try to have them as involved um, as possible. You know, to, we try to give them a, a great deal of of autonomy. Um, and you know, just by simply just taking them out of the classroom for an hour, it really makes their day. Um, I know that sometimes we have uh, participants who would message us and they would ask us a few days leading up to the session, are you coming? Are you coming? Will School of Hard Knocks be there? Um, some of them have gone as far to say that uh, that if we weren't going to be there on that day, they wouldn't come to school. Uh, you know, and, and for us, that's, that's a real win. Mm -hmm. um, not just that they are going to be in our session, but the mere fact that they are at school, which is very important, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that is also another challenge uh, you know, is to is to have our participants understand the importance of completing their schooling and really trying to work um, as hard as they can. Uh, something I always try to tell our participants is that uh, you need to build the doors that you need to open in the future. You know, it has to happen now. Um, and that is ultimately also what we want for them. You know, we really want them to create that, that pathway where you know, they can really make a, a positive contribution to, to themselves, their families, their communities, and ultimately the world at large. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. And I think it was a really great conversation. Um, so my final question for you that I always like ending with is, 
what do you believe the power of sport is? I know we talked about it a little bit already, but what do, what do you believe the power of sport is? Um, I think the power of sport, uh, perhaps in one word, um, is unity. You know, it, it has the ability to just bring people from completely different backgrounds and completely different places, you know, um, and just bring them together and, and share almost a, a common language. And I think that is what sport really is. Um, it's a language, you know, and whether we understand each other um, verbally or not, um, you know, if we are playing the same sport, somehow we just understand each other, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, sport does so much. Um, but ultimately, it, it brings people together. I, I mean, with rugby, not touch rugby, you know, rugby union, we see players that are completely bashing each other for 80 minutes. Um, and after that game, they, they are hugging and they are sharing a drink, you know, chatting uh, with each other, speaking, meeting each other's families, you know, on the sides of the pitch, you know. Uh, and I feel like sport is really the only medium where you would see something like that. Sport Amazing. can bring peace, you know. Yeah. Sport can really bring peace to the world. I I believe it. I completely believe it. I do too. Let's, let's more sport, more sport for everyone. Let's. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much once again. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you, David. Yeah, Man, it was you. fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you once again to Fakhri for coming on the podcast to talk about School for Hard Knocks. So my key takeaway from this episode, I think, was um, the importance of building relationships and how important they are. You know, as a coach, um, you know, or, or, you know, in sports in general, you know, often we talk about how, how important, um, you know, the coaches are the role model for athletes. Um and how important those relationships can be for an athlete and coach. And I think it's even more important in a sport for development context. So while it's not just necessarily, you know, not in, not just athlete and coach, but any sort of relationship. And I, I think it's important because not every relationship in the sport for development context is necessarily a coach and an athlete. But I think it's important that we keep those in mind and that we keep the, um, the focus on building connections and building community and and fostering those relationships that are that are essential to making these some of these programs work and making them uh you know tackle the issues that they are meant to be tackling so i think that that's my key takeaway and, and i think it's a really important one and one that um you know we've definitely talked about before but haven't really necessarily heard so much of a focus on from a program so i really like that about school of hard knocks and I think it's uh, a really great takeaway. So that is it from this episode. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and we will talk with you next time.